Hello, hello, welcome, welcome. I'm Gabrielle Jafir, and this is the Earthology Podcast, where our mission is to support and facilitate the ending of all illusions of disconnect with our natural world, our earth, and all its elements, and our natural being, our inner knowing, our humanity. You feel me? This episode is a moon rhythm report. It is a moonly series that we do, not a monthly, a moonly that comes out every new moon where we explore the practice of consciously living in deep connection with our earth and our inner truth. And we do that by navigating and living our lives in harmony with the rhythms of cyclical time, the consciousness and the seasons of the earth, the wisdom of the natural world, and very importantly, the guidance of our inner knowing. The Earthology Podcast is brought to you by The Illume Collective. Check us out on Instagram at The Illume Collective to find out more about how we are working to support Earth's people to lead more consciously empowered lives. Thank you so much for being here. I am so honored to have you. Hey everyone, Gabrielle Jaffier here. Welcome to the 10th moon (laughs) of this 2020 solar cycle, our moon rhythm report, which has been, oh boy, (laughs) it has been such a journey to bring this particular episode forward. And it almost didn't happen, I'm going to be honest. Um, There has been some very deep, deep transformations within myself that have stood in the way as what initially I thought of as blocks to bringing this forward, as well as some very interesting technical issues. And before we get started, I just wanted to dive in with you a little bit uh, to share kind of what some of my process around this has been because it's, I feel like, connected to a greater kind of collective theme. And I don't know if this sharing might serve others that are going through this or that are thinking about these kinds of things. Regardless, I felt called to share. So the first thing was that I think we all need to remember that a lot of these things that we are bringing forward is first and foremost about our relationship with ourselves and a reflection of our embodied practice. And while a lot of different parts of bringing this forward was definitely embodied in the past, my perfectionism and and the places and spaces within me that doubts that is still looking for validation that is still in my mind and not in my heart and what i mean by that is that there are so many thoughts and ideas and inspirations and i guess what people call quote unquote downloads um that come in um 
it's different to have a lot of ideas than it is to embody them. Even when I would ask people, this is what I thought was so interesting. Even when I would ask people, do you hear my presence on these episodes? Do you hear it in my voice? And people would reflect back to me. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, hearing this feed, this positive feedback of no, I hear your presence. I hear the channel. I hear the, the, the grounded communication coming from you, Gabrielle. It's like, oh shit. How easy it is for us to mimic and to impersonate almost the work because I know that in my experience it's not that you know I'm a nervous wreck I start and I stop recording like 500 freaking times sometimes before I get what I think is the best or you know um, I revert to intense planning have you ever thought about how much intense planning is actually a way to protect ourselves from being an open channel and trusting ourselves to step up in the moment and allow ourselves to be, show up for ourselves in the moment? Yeah. And I saw myself doing all of that and he was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. So I'm coming to you right now in a way that I haven't before. I'm coming to you very raw. <laughs> I'm not going to go back and edit this. <laughs> and I'm also going to do this with a level of presence with for myself. That we all, all of us that are bringing forward big work, owe it to ourselves. We can be filled with inspiration from all over. And our intentions can be pure and our, you know, uh, understanding can be deep. Our wisdom can be real. But unless we are living it, mm. and where I'm going with that is the other thing, which is that the amount of work that this isn't just these episodes, but social media and so many different aspects of this very hierarchical, patriarchal, capitalistic system is demanding of us right now pulls us out, pulls us out, pulls us out. You know, how many times when you are in like deep communion with yourself is that little voice that pops up and says, hey, you gonna take a photo of this? You gonna post this to Instagram? Oh, you gonna create a class from this? Oh, you should make a meditation of this and sell it. <sighs> or share it. Show, 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 produce, produce, produce. I'm not willing to do it anymore. <laughs> Just... Mm -mm. So what was happening was that these, these episodes were taking up a lot of time because of all kinds of, you know, ways that I was protecting myself and trying to do things, not trusting myself to just show up. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that was coming up was it was interrupting my practice. So, you know, one of the biggest things about earthology practice is the conscious navigation of time right? That means implementing ritual into our lives and conscious practices into our lives to make it real, make it tangible. This doesn't just happen, you know, up in the head. We don't just acknowledge, oh, it's the new moon. That's great. Let me make an Instagram post about that. Like, no, you dive in, into the shadow, into your presence, what has been the reflection, the, the uh, acceptance of the present moment and what you've been doing and, and what you're ready to bring forward. You, you build intention and presence from just consciously having it all 
and practice and ceremony and reflection and journaling and releasing and all of these things. <laughs> I know that's a bit vague. Mm, right? And I wasn't able to do that because there was so much emphasis on like, oh, gotta, gotta record. Oh, gotta do this. Oh, gotta, you know, create that content. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. And I feel a level of responsibility to fully embody what I'm bringing forward. I don't want refined anymore. I want real. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not that you can't still have a beautiful product and be real, but I think you get what I'm saying. But presence, 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 presence. I just want to do a quick shout out to Sunday Muse who is a vocal alchemist, coach, creatrix, I don't know uh, what she called herself, uh, inspiratress. Oh, love it. She is a gem and uh, I've recently connected with her on Instagram. You can follow her, check her out at Sunday Muse, M-U-S-E official. And she did this beautiful video recently about presence and she said something that has stuck with me that I continue to think about constantly, which is that presence is cultivated. And presence is one of the greatest gifts that we can offer anyone. Um, I think that for a lot of transformational, spiritual uh, workers and self-development uh, healers and you know the whole spectrum, we think that a lot of our gift is in what we create and what we produce. And I just want to say how much of that is internalized capitalism? You know, like how much, how, how much are we judging how, how much we are showing up for the work based on how much we are creating. Oh, I just got this new download out. I created this new course. I'm, you know, bringing it all forward. I'm, I, I just signed up 10 more women to my thing, my vessel, my whatever. It's like, and not to say that the people that aren't doing that are not also totally dedicated to the cultivation of presence. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that by any means. I honor, honor, honor all the deep work that goes into doing all of that. But I just want to say hello to that because what I have been finding is that there are aspects, there are shards, there are pieces within myself that are still subscribed to the capitalistic, patriarchal, externalized uh, bullshit models. <laughs> Sorry. Not bullshit. They are all initiations. They are all wisdom. I hear it. I hear it. I honor it. I'm grateful. Gratitude. Hello. Oh, but the fire, the fire is real. And that's the other part that I've been in deep. I've been sitting with pretty hard right now. Um, where are the places and spaces where this project, the Illum Collective, the Earthology Podcast, myself, my offerings is still prescribing to the, uh, the patriarchal capitalistic models? Where have I internalized capitalism? What does that look like? You know, same thing goes with um, this beautiful movement around equality activism, uh, unconsciousness, um, consumerism is a big one. You know, if we're creating, 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 and it's all about consume, 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 I'm just like, whoa, this doesn't feel right. And what that has meant is I have just like, I cannot right now with the socials. <laughs> you know, I understand the power of these platforms, but they are so tricky. 
um, and so is navigating, bringing forward a message and not falling into the unconsciousness and the deep, deep programming that we're ready to step out of. You know, bring in the new. Notice that I am not saying the higher, the better, the, you know, the higher vibe, higher consciousness. You know, no, let's not create another hierarchy, y'all. <laughs> like, when I hear that, you know, I just want to scream because it's creating another otherism. We don't need that. So that's where I'm sharing from today and moving forward. I'm going to challenge myself to continue to be sharing from this deeper seated place. And if that means that it's a few days late, that's what it needs to be. <laughs> that means I share the good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm saying now. <laughs> But I'm so committed to this, and um, I hope that anything of what I just said served. Um, but yeah, I'm so, so excited to be here with you now. Oh, I'm going to get, I'm feeling the feels again. I'm just so honored. I feel so privileged. I feel so much gratitude to be doing this work, and even if nobody listens to this... <laughs> Even if one person listens to this, um, oh, it just, yeah, deep, deep, deep gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I didn't even tell you, I had some technical difficulties that were just like, what? Um, it goes hand in hand in, in this like process that I've been in. I was trying to force it, force it, force it and not do my own work and not tap in and I was just you know I, I had all the information but it was like I was not in my body I don't know how to describe it long story short you know it was like two days after the new moon and I was just hitting a lot of blocks and then finally I sat down and I did ceremony and I you know I did all I went through all the motions to like come in but truth was the communication was like no not yet <laughs> I just wasn't listening to that. I was like, no, it needs to be out on time. Um, so yeah, two days ago, sat down at night. I think I was up until one in the morning, just trying to create space and record it. And then the next day, so I guess it was yesterday, I sat down and I recorded the intro and it was pretty much ready to go. And then, was it this morning? No, yesterday evening. I went to check it out and lo and behold, I hadn't saved it. <laughs> And the only thing that had saved was the intro. So it was interesting. I wasn't even upset. I was like, okay, what is the communication here? This is really, really clear. And now I get it because, uh, yeah. So another little thing that I just want to say real quickly is do not problematize what appears to be blocks and what appears to be ho what's holding you back and stuff. Sometimes we just need to give it time to show us what it is serving. You hear me? You feel me? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. So welcome to the Moon Rhythm Report for the July slash August 2020 moon cycle. So like I do in the beginning of everything that I do, I like to say this, to state this as like a mantra to communicate my intention and my, and my hope, which is to say very clearly, we are not here to proselytize. Our intention is to support people to come 
to to connect to their own truth, their own inner knowing, and their own practices around orthology, around the conscious navigation of time, around tapping into inner knowing and creating an energetic forecast, all of it, you know, talking to the earth, talk all of it. It's time, you know, <laughs> like I was just saying, it's time to step away from spiritual hierarchy, the idea that there is a right and a wrong way to have connection with the earth and ourselves, and away from any dogma that keeps us thinking that there is something greater than our own inner knowing. So yes, here at the Earthology Podcast, our intention above everything is to be a catalyst for you to find your own truth. So take what resonates, leave what doesn't, and always reference your own inner discernment before anything else. So we are entering into the 10th moon. Can you believe it? of this 2020 solar cycle. But before we get into looking forward and talking about this very, very powerful moon chapter that we're entering into, I wanna take a moment to do some conscious reflection. So in this segment, we take a little time to reflect on the chapter that is closing behind us. So in this case, the moon cycle that we were calling the transition moon, it was the ninth moon of the solar year. So we do this because when we take conscious time to reflect, to then reframe, to integrate what has been part of our unique experience, we empower ourselves to do several things. The first is that we create the space to truly have have our experience. So that means, you know, no longer feeling like, oh my God, I blinked and a whole moon went by, you know? It's like when we take time to consciously write down everything that has been happening to us, whether it was like, you know, a weather event, the comet, you know, a celestial event, astrological event, a big change in a relationship, or, you know, a health issue or, you know, just interesting, fun things that you did, you can have it. And I guarantee you, you will be kind of blown away by how much actually happened. And what it does is it fills the space. Um, and it also creates a jumping off point for you to then go into kind of some of the deeper sides of it of like, are, am I holding, you know, emotion from this particular event that I need to process? Or, you know, now that you're in a different space, you can uh, have perspective on it and reframe it and kind of take your power back in it. Anyway, it's a whole thing. <laughs> The second is that we engage, we turn on our access to the power within acceptance of the present. Not just acceptance, but acceptance of the present. Because once we kind of look at everything that has been going on and we take time to uh, work with it and, and in some cases transform it or we accept it or we... Um, ground it, we integrate it, whatever, whatever we choose to do with it, it brings us now into the present time. And when we begin to accept the present, that's how we begin to move forward from a truly integrated, empowered, um, empowered place. And that ain't no small thing. Now, the third thing is that once we've brought consciousness and awareness to those two different practices of reflection and present time, 
we have the space for creating real. And, and by real, I mean like truly harmonized intentions and goals moving forward. Things that are harmonized to your truth, not just some goal or intention that sounds virtuous, <laughs> that honestly you'd probably forget about in a week, but an intention that is coming from the deepest part of your awareness, that is harmonized to your greater journey, your evolution, that cannot be necessarily quantified by, you know, looking at what you quote unquote should do. And I think that's one of the biggest things that trips people up a lot of the time in their self-development work is they look at themselves, maybe you're reflecting and maybe you're kind of looking at yourself in present time and you're like, oh, what should I do next? And you look forward and you begin to project all of your idealisms, the spiritual hierarchy programming that we're all dealing with right now of like, oh, I should meditate and oh, I should do this and oh, I should do that. And it's like, yes, all of those things are virtuous. All of those things could really, really help you out. But sometimes I also know that we need to embrace modes of being that are not so pretty all the time and are not so what, you know, our current culture would quote unquote call virtuous. Like sometimes you need to initiate yourself in experience <laughs> that is just going to serve your expansion of consciousness that is not it doesn't always have to be virtuous. You hear me? So these three things alone, these three practices, so reflection, acceptance of the present, and then moving forward to create real, true, harmonized intentions. These are like the trifecta of an empowered relationship to self and time. Um, if you're interested in learning more about this, this is actually something I'm Oof, I'm deeply, I have deeply sat with and that I'm constantly working with. And it's something that um, I'm turning into a project that I'm calling the Rhythm and Harmony Method, uh, which I will be hopefully bringing forward at some point. Stay tuned. Like I said, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in process with this whole thing about like creating and how not to do it in like a capitalistic consumerist way. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. But anyway. So I'm super duper excited because I don't know if I've vocalized this segment clearly. So moving forward, I want to hear from you guys. So your name, uh, you can share a social media handle. I'm happy to, uh, to bring that forward because I'm also really into building community. Um, and then tell me where you are on this beautiful planet and then share with me some of the physical characteristics and anything that you learned from the physical environment and those characteristics during that moon, the name that you named for the moon and why and then also your emotional and spiritual process during that time and it doesn't have to be anything big seriously we're looking for you know something kind of short and sweet um but something that we can share because i cannot wait to do that because when i do this with my friends there are so many themes that come forward that it's like oh my god like yes like that's happening in my environment but it's effect you know it's happening in a different way but the effect is the same you know it really creates it's this kind of communion and community that is just so, so needed right now. So yes. So I'm super excited. I reached out to some of my closest friends to start this off and to have them share what they have noticed, what their process has been. And this first one is coming from Hannah Grace Clark, one of the most amazing humans I have had the honor to know. HGC, my soul sister, my life buddy. <laughs> <laughs> this woman is so profound and so powerful, um, 
yeah, I can't, I, I hope she, she comes on here at some point to share some more of her wisdom. Um, she is living in Beaver, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it was so funny. When I asked her if I could share this, she actually said, she's like, don't say that I'm from Beaver. <laughs> say that I'm from Pittsburgh or something. But no, Beaver is brilliant, Hannah. <laughs> and this actually kind of came up in one of our beautiful conversations that we have all the time <laughs> with each other. And it absolutely blew me away because it was so powerful and it continues to kind of permeate my awareness and my consciousness and my relationship to my earthology work and just my everyday life, to be completely honest. So we were talking and she said that she had a moment recently where she was lying on her bed at sunset and just watching the falling of the sunlight on her walls. Everything was just getting darker and darker. And she said that she felt a very deep upwelling of emotion that came forward and that she found herself just totally sobbing. And what was present for her in that moment is that she was mourning the declining of the light. And she said it wasn't just the light of the day, but the light of the season. So she was telling me how in that moment she thought about how the light had been such a presence in her life during these summer months. And she viscerally felt that how tangible its absence would be. And she also said another thing that was just really powerful connected to this story. She said that in that moment, part of her was acknowledging that you know, the passing of the light was also an acknowledgement of her own process, her own de deepening, her own plunging into the retreat of the darkness that here in the Northern Hemisphere we're about to go into. She said, I felt wonder at who I would be on the other side when the sun returned. Just, do you feel that? Just speaking to it now, I've just, it makes me want to cry. I just feel so much emotion to that. I felt it in my bones. I mean, this calls up a form, like some ancient knowing of how we used to relate to earth. You know, when we remove the scientific modern mind and really feel into the ancestral mind, you know, what comes forward is a very deeply emotional, mythic relationship to the world. And this is what I mean by an orthology practice that we allow it to penetrate us and affect us deeply, um, not just as a mirror, but as part of our process of life. I mean, I just, I'm kind of at a loss of words. Um, but really, truly, to me, her story is an example of lived and embodied orthology. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, HGC, Hannah Grace Clark, for this sharing. Um, yeah, I d deeply, deeply relate to this. Um, this next sharing is coming from my beloved. His name is Noel Pinkerton. Um, please check him out on Instagram. He is a phenomenal astrologer. You can find him at noelp.astrology. Um and rather than just kind of jumping into my own sharing, I was like, you live in New Mexico with me, northern New Mexico, the land of enchantment with me. Like, what has your experience of this last moon been? 
And uh, he talked about the stifling heat. It was like, he said, right after the solstice, you know, we immediately went in from, you know, warm days to like hot, stifling, no wind, no reprieve kind of days. And the nights no longer offered a kind of refreshing shift. So we were just kind of hunkered into this intense heat. And he said that what he found was that the heat brought in a demand for stillness. But it was a very, very uncomfortable stillness, but that it needed to be that way because what he found was, you know, there was so much fire um, in the energy of like producing and going outward and doing this and doing that and hiking and camping and doing this project and connecting and, you know, all this outward force because this is like the full light phase. But he was forced to sit with the fire within himself and that he had to find ways to channel that fire, even amidst all of the kind of fatigue of just dealing with a relentless sun, um, for his own inner personal growth. Mm, So thank you, my beloved, for sharing that. I've been kind of thinking, you know, to kind of shift up the way that I name the moons, you know, there's the energetic resonance, but then there's also, you know, the traditional practice of moon naming that extends to pretty much all indigenous peoples around the world was that they would often name it something that related to a physical uh, element or event that was going on in their world. So, you know, like they would call it the sturgeon moon or the harvest moon or the the, you know, snow moon, you know, something that was actually going on. And I was kind of thinking, I want to add that element. But of course, that would be very regionalized depending on where you are. Another thing that I really, really um, enjoyed about this time of the year was that there's always crickets. (laughs) What was I doing? I was sitting and uh, journaling outside and it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and I noticed, I was like, oh my God, the air is full of crickets. And uh, to me, that is just one of the signature late summer uh, symphonies and uh, realities. Okay, so yeah, don't forget, take some time to reflect, make a list. I mean, I know it's a few days after the new moon. You can still do this. Take some time to reflect on all of the different events that happened, all of the things that you noticed in your natural world. Where are you in present time? What do you need to accept? What do you need to bring to a close? What do you need to open more to? What are you ready to integrate, anchor? What, what is, um, (laughs) what, what? (laughs) Sorry. Kind of myself. You know, what is your initiation? And once you arrive there, I swear to God, the space just effortlessly opens forward and meets you in terms of setting goals and intentions and having just communication about what's coming next for you. And it's all very, very juicy. Okay, so let's get into this moon rhythm report for the 10th moon of 2020. All right, the 10th moon of 2020. Let's start off with some of the technical basics. So this moon chapter that we are stepping into extends itself all the way from July 20th until August 17th. 
And as you've heard me say multiple times now, that this is the 10th moon in the 2020 solar year. But here's something that I may not have mentioned in the past. As a matter of fact, I'm almost positive. I don't think I have said this. Normally, within a full solar year, there are 12 moons. 2020, <laughs> one for the books, has 13 moon cycles. So what's very interesting about that, we just need to take a little moment to acknowledge that and say the power of that is that it disrupts the habitual, what maybe we think of as the normal rhythm that we get into with relating to the moons. Suddenly everything kind of shifts and if anything <laughs> that makes total sense because 2020 has been such a year for transformation for shakeups for total dissolution for complete reorientation so this moon chapter all of these moon chapters that we've been going through are holding a different resonant space than they normally would within a normal 12 moon cycle that is a gift that demands that we get very present with looking at the energies and what's happening with the um, evolutions that we're going through uh, with our earth and within ourselves. It's It shifts everything. It's a shakeup. <laughs> so it's a really, really big gift. So now that I've said that, now what I want you to do, pull out your calendar. If you haven't marked these dates down already, the different phases of this moon. All right, so we have the first moon quarter on July 27th, the full moon is on August 3rd. The fourth quarter of this moon chapter is on August 11th. And then the last day of this moon chapter is July 17th. And then we have the next new moon on August 18th. So I guess you could say it goes to the 18th. I guess, you know, the idea of days kind of doesn't really apply because what we're really looking at is when the moon hits that point of you know, full newness, which happens on the 18th. It's also important to say that like the last moon chapter that we were just in, that started off with a huge bang <laughs> with the solstice, this moon chapter also has a major solar event within it. On August 1st, there is the cross quarter point, the cross quarter festival. In other words, the halfway point between the seasons. So the, the, the halfway point of the transition between summer and autumn. So, you know, we've been in the transition phase of the decline of summer into autumn since the solstice. And this cross quarter point marks the halfway point between the solstice and the equinox. So to name the cross quarter points, I use the, the names that originate from indigenous traditions from what we now call Europe, although I've definitely been deeply committed to doing and expanding my research into global cultures and other traditions to prioritize and include their terminology within this subject for the future. And uh, just to be 100% transparent, because <laughs> this kind of conversation really matters, the reason why I use uh, use the European terminology is because it's been, you know, that's been part of my process connecting to my lineage, connecting to my roots. And um, that's a, an important place to start. And then we also have the responsibility of creating space for equal expression of many, many different cultures. 
So the thing about European tradition is that we always have to be aware that any earth-based festival was most likely at some point appropriated <laughs> by the Christian tradition, and this holiday is no exception. It's more commonly known in different areas throughout Europe as Lamas, and that is the Christian holiday name uh, that has to do with kind of the first harvest. The rituals in that tradition would be that you know, they would have the first grain harvest and they would bake loaves of bread and bring it to church. But the older uh, roots of the indigenous earth people traditions um, have different names. In the Welsh tradition, this time is called Gwyl Aust. And then in the Gaelic tradition, it's called Lugnasa or Lugnasad or Lunasa. Uh, there's different ways that you can pronounce it. Um, this time is also called the harvest of the full moon, um, the celebration of the grain mother, the festival of first fruits, and the festival of remembering. So, you know, I'll maybe do a whole episode dedicated to that because it's there's a very, very rich history and tradition associated with that. But anyway, yeah, so that's happening. <laughs> Real quickly, I guess I will just kind of give a summary from the one and only Glennie Kindred. If you guys are not familiar with Glennie Kindred, she is an earth mother teacher uh, goddess. I stumbled upon her work for the first time when I was living in England. I had gone to Glastonbury and I wandered into this little bookshop and I found these little you know uh, string bound books that she's made and it completely changed my life. <laughs> This one is called The Earth's Cycle of Celebration. She, she writes something here about the underlying energy of Lugnasad. She says, Lugnasad is the seasonal peak or height of summer. And as with all cross-quarter festivals, it is the point when we must respond to the changes which are coming. The grain harvest is being gathered in, representing for us both the food which will sustain us throughout the winter and the seed, which will grow again in the spring to bring next year's harvest. It is a time to give thanks for the active growth period as the sun's energy begins to wane. We turn once again to face our inner selves, assimilating and understanding on deeper levels what we have manifest. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of a, a quick little summary about Lugnasad. And it's, it's, it's a really important point because, you know, within the moon cycles, when we have a peak in the solar uh, evolution and the solar cyclical cycles, that can definitely take prominence in terms of a particular layer and level of energy that we will be handling. So another thing that I like to do before I jump into the attuned forecast for this moon chapter is to take a look at the world's culture's traditional naming of this moon that we're about to go into. Because, you know, that's not something that I came up with. Uh, cultures around the world, from China to the Celts to the uh, native peoples of North and South America to the Hawaiians, they all had names for different moons throughout the year. As a matter of fact, I highly recommend everybody take some time to do some research into this because it can be very enlightening, um, especially when you connect with the native peoples of the region in which you are living. At least for me, it created a jumping off point um, within my awareness of, of different things um, that are happening in 
in the physical environment because normally the names that they choose, like I said before, relate to a physical change or event or presence or, yeah. That, that's going on in their world. So technically I think this is going to be called the August moon because we have the full moon on August 3rd. So the Chinese call this the harvest moon. In the Celtic tradition, it is called the dispute moon. That's very interesting. The medieval English name for this moon is the corn moon which makes sense. Um, in my research, I found a lot of cultures called this the corn moon because I think generally this is a time when a lot of corn is harvested. The Cherokee peoples of North America, of what is now called North America, call this moon the fruit moon. The Choctaw of what is now called North America called this the woman's moon. Mmm, that's delicious. <laughs> that makes so much sense because this time is so much about the fertility of the earth and the harvest. In South Africa, I'm seeing here that they called the August moon the hunger moon. That's very interesting. Again, kind of going back to the more European lineages, August was known as the sturgeon or the barley moon. One thing too that I just want to bring forward about this moon was that I also found that this moon was called the grain moon, which is connected to the myth of Persephone, the virgin goddess of rebirth of the underworld of oh gosh so many things that myth is so incredibly powerful in relationship to the understanding of the cycles of our earth and of ourselves <laughs> um, because she always carries Persephone is often um, depicted as carrying a sheaf of barley or or wheat as a symbol of the harvest um, oh yeah the myth of Persephone would be something that would be so powerful to jump into so I also found a resource that didn't actually speak specify which traditions this was coming from specifically, but I'm seeing here, it's actually what I'm looking at right now, is the Old Farmer's Almanac. <laughs> they actually have a lot of uh, interesting, insightful information about uh, moon cycles and solar cycles, if you're ever interested. They're saying that this is uh, also called the Green Corn Moon, Black Cherries Moon, and the Flying Up Moon, although they do not specify the traditions from which they are referencing that. So yeah, a lot of different moons. Um, I personally deeply connect to the women's moon, the harvest moon. Yeah, it's a really, really powerful time. You know, the sun is in its full force union with the earth. And what I mean by that is the mixture, the alchemy of the sunlight with the container, the womb space that is the earth is bringing forward the fruits, <laughs> bringing forward the food, the nourishment and the, um, you know, the, the blooming of flowers. It's a really, really, really powerful time. So when I attuned to this moon, the two names that I received in relationship to the energies that we are entering into were the moon of acceptance and the moon of shame. And that really speaks to the spectrum through which I see us navigating. Although I think if I were to name this moon, you know, part of a, um, a natural element that's super present, I would call it the sunflower moon. <laughs> Yeah, I do love my sunflowers. 
All right, you guys, so let's jump in to the forecast for this 10th moon, this moon of acceptance, this moon of shame, green corn, moon, mother, moon, harvest, moon. Mm. So let's just take a moment to kind of tune in. <sighs> to get out of our heads and into our bodies, into our hearts so that we can really have this communication. So if you're washing the dishes or you're driving, you know, don't close your eyes. <laughs> but just take some real deep breaths, big belly, womb breaths. <sighs> Move your body a little bit. Stretch. I love to just run my hands over my body because it's just like a, mm, just a reminder. The physical sensation reminds me like, oh yeah, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> so I'm rubbing my chest and I'm rubbing my belly, my womb, down my legs, my feet, my little toes. Cause we gotta be all here for this. It's not just the heart. It's not just the spirit. It's not just the head, even your toes. <laughs> Those little feet chakras are doing some big things for you, let me tell you. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Just deep breathing. And just notice where you're at without needing to shift or change it. Notice how deep your breath is. And just noticing where your attention is at. And gently calling it back, imagining actually a little blue dot in the very center of your forehead in between your eyebrows. Imagining this little blue dot, and this is where your attention is going to come to rest. And when you feel yourself meet yourself, feel that little, that little amazing presence sink back into the center of your head. Mm. I don't know about you, but my body just whew, relaxed. One deep breath, extending that breath into all the way to your first chakra, down into your lower body, bringing presence there. I'm going to share with you guys right now just a quick little snippet of a meditation, the very first orthology meditation that I hope to bring forward soon that I was taught by an aspen tree. No joke. Aspen trees are one of the most incredible communities of trees because most of the time an aspen forest that is, you know, thousands of acres large shares one root system. And so they are the trees of connection, they are the trees of community, they are the trees too of deep, deep rooting. I just want you to visualize, you know, if even if you're sitting in your house or you're sitting in a chair, visualize yourself sitting in a forest. And right beneath your bottom, and you know, there's there's root systems of grass and flowers and trees. We don't think about this, we just walk on the ground, you know? But what we don't think about is beneath us is this phenomenal root system. And we can create energetic roots that links into all of that. 
Isn't that yummy? Isn't that phenomenal? Don't you feel just, ooh, supported? Mm. You can imagine little tendrils of energy from your body wherever you wherever that intuitively feels like it's coming from, from the base of your tailbone, from every cell. That's where I'm at. I've been imagining every cell having its own little grounding cord and just rooting into that root system, mm. being held. And as you're doing that, don't forget to breathe, breathing in. And when you breathe out, just root down deeper. Channel that breath down. And as you're doing this, you're giving yourself permission as well to kind of pull in. Pulling all of the little tendrils of your attention that's going to your phone or maybe work or your children or your significant other. And all of that is naturally pulling in, just like ribbons slipping out of entanglements and returning to you so that you can have this now. Mm. Place your hands on your heart and let's just take a moment to attune to gratitude. Deep, deep, deep gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being here. My sisters and brothers and others doing this kind of work. This is, this is good stuff. We're not just doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for the collective. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're listening to this, just know how supported you are, how lucky you are to have this kind of awareness, to have this kind of connection. Feel all that gratitude and that that light light up in your chest and your heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So you can open your eyes if you're ready or keep them closed for this next part, whatever. (laughs) A lot of the themes that came forward for this forecast um, related to this larger shift that we're going through from the space of the lightness into the space of the darkness. And I actually was a little bit conflicted about that because at first I was like, but you know, the practice of arthology is actually... You know, a lot of that power lies in the nuances and lies in like, you know, specific characteristic things like, you know, the sunflowers blooming or, you know, receiving rain or monsoon season, et cetera, et cetera. But I I realized that actually this is much more appropriate to serve kind of the greater collective. I should also say, though, that, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere, you guys are shifting from the, you know, dark phase into the light phase. And regardless, we're at this juncture you know these transition seasons of spring and or fall are always times of reflecting on what we have done for example you know in the southern hemisphere you guys have just been in this deep 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 transformational space and it's time to kind of take a look at all of the places and spaces that you allowed yourself to explore and Maybe there is uh, some places where there's some, you're like, oh man, I, I, I didn't do this. I didn't, you know, get to the place that I thought I would be getting to in relationship to this particular emotional dynamic or, you know, I just, whatever it is. And you're also looking at all the things that you deeply, deeply worked on within yourself and feeling a lot of pride about it. You know, the spectrum is the same. You can either go into reflection um, with acceptance or feel shame and regret 
So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to say that because at least in, in your own personal practice with earthology, it, when you do this for yourself, it comes down to a lot more nuanced things. Um, and I talk about a lot more broad kind of general themes. So, like I said, I'm calling this the moon of acceptance and the moon of shame. That speaks to the full spectrum of what I see us moving through. There is really major, major power of coming to the close of this time. Because this time has been about pouring ourselves out into the world. And not just in what we do, but the places and spaces within ourselves that we have been cultivating emotionally, spiritually, in relationships, and in what we do. And we are beginning to return to source. The call <laughs> has been made to return to source. And so we are turning away from the light and turning back to ourselves. And what that means is that we are then met with ourselves and the many different layers of what that means. The mind, the judgment, <laughs> the personality, the ego, the heart, the emotions, the body, the nervous system. So what that means is on all of those different layers and levels, we are going through the process of evaluating, processing, reflecting, whether you're conscious of it or not, the lessening of light and the increase of darkness naturally facilitates the thinning of the veil almost between ourselves and our different layers and levels of awareness. And so we have a choice. We're presented with a choice right now. We can either accept what has been, or we can turn away from it and we can make ourselves and our experience wrong. We need to be very, very mindful that our acceptance is not determined by how positive, how we are, ju how, how we are judging how positive an experience was. We don't just accept the things where we felt like, oh yeah, I got all this validation, all this feedback, I was doing great. And we should not reject all of the things where we felt like we were wrong, that we felt like we fucked up, where we felt rejected, where we experienced trauma or re-traumatization, you know, the, 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 uh, the comfortable and the uncomfortable is really what I'm getting at. All of that serves in terms of the evolution of our consciousness now, the other thing that I want to just say is however you're relating to your experience is all a communication to you. So for example, if you're looking back and you're reflecting over what you brought forward over these summer months and all these things that you've been working on and you did this and you launched that and you did this podcast and you're looking at that and you're like, hell yeah, I owned it. Like, what if, <laughs> I'm just going to throw a little bit of a monkey wrench in that. What if you took some time to be like, wait a second, was all of that really part of my process of bringing my truth forward? Or have I just internalized capitalist conceptions of success? Eek! <laughs> 
oh, that's good, that's juicy, right? Maybe that's not you fully owning the sovereignty of the experience, which is also okay. What we're always presented with is whether or not we want to be in conscious agreement with it. That's where our power lies is, do I agree with this? Do I want that? Do I want to empower that? That's really what it comes down to. And vice versa. You know, all of these things that we are relating to with leftover emotions of shame, regret, sadness, pain, all of that is a communication. A lot of the times that is a communication of some unfinished processing and unfinished perspective. Whether that is that, say in the moment, uh, a friend or a coworker said something that was really, really painful for you to hear, that really, really struck deeply within you, and you just had to swallow it because the current paradigm says, "Uh uh-uh, you don't cry at work. (laughs) But you're still relating to that with, you know, ooh, some pain. Honey, it's time to go into that and let yourself process it. And below that, you know, I don't want to like give out any answers because it could be completely, your process could be completely different. But at least for myself, when I've gone into that and I've gone a little bit deeper, what I have found is, especially when it comes to, you know, things that people have said or some sort of relationship is number one, I have taken it personally. (laughs) Because the way people interact with us and do things, we think it's so personal. It's not. It is always a reflection of a person's internal relationship with themselves that they are just projecting out onto the world. And when we begin to realize that, we can create distance between the actions of people and how we internalize it, just to throw that out there. Yeah, so we're in a big, big space of reflection, and we have a choice on how we relate to it. So the first thing that I want to talk about is to not forget about the teaching and the healing that was this last eclipse, which um, if you didn't listen to the last episode, this eclipse was so powerful. It happened within hours of the solstice, within hours of the new moon, and it was an annular also known as a ring of fire eclipse, solar eclipse. So what happened was that the moon passed in front of the sun, but did not fully eclipse it. There was like a a ring of light that remained of the sun's light. What this powerfully represented was a declaration of a new chapter of the equilibrium of the paradigm (laughs) of the relationship between our inner and outer worlds. And what this statement was is that the inner world can no longer be denied, but it will also not eclipse our outer worlds, our ego, our outward expression, but it must be prioritized. It must come forward in a way that manifests on all levels of our embodied projections and our embodied experience. So the the days are over (laughs) where we just shut it down, lock it down, you know, go, 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 fit the patriarchal system, fit the, the capitalist infrastructure and ignore our inner truths, our inner feelings, our processes, our spirituality, right? So I just want to bring awareness to that to say that is still 
a huge, huge influence. Like I said in the last episode um, for the solstice, which again, I highly recommend, please go listen to it because that is something that is going to be setting the tone um, for kind of the larger solar energetic shift for minimally, I'd say the next six months. So yeah, this is, this is a time of continuing to work with that energy of looking at what you prioritize in your life. How are you inviting your internal world forward? Where are you repressing and oppressing your internal world still? You know, where do you bypass process? You know, this other thing that I think is so beautiful is we, very directly relate to the the phases of the moon and understand her process. (laughs) And we should, you know, take that little teaching and that little wisdom and apply it to ourselves. We need to embrace our process. You know, this is, this is no longer the the paradigm of, um, Western medicine where it's just take a pill and poof, which we have learned doesn't actually happen. Process is, is where our power, where our teachings happen. That's where it's all happening. It's not in the end result. And so, yeah, just looking at all of the places and spaces where you are looking at the relationship between the outward and your inner world really really taking time to be with that is is will continue to be a big theme so this leads me to the next theme which is seeking root and this goes hand in hand with this natural progression of turning inward in the northern hemisphere seeking root also is very very applicable to the southern hemisphere because what that means is we are all right now seeking where do we root you know in the northern hemisphere it's like what do i root into to create a container for the return. And in the Southern Hemisphere, it's like, what do I root into to create a foundation of coming forward? You feel me? (laughs) What do I create? Both are saying, what do I create root to for sustainability, for nourishment, for truth, for grounding? And again, it's this very big process of looking at what we have turned to for stability, for safety, security, um, community, validation in the past. There's a lot more words that I could throw out there, but you get what I'm saying. This is definitely a very big root chakra thing. Um, In a way, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's kind of like they say that a lot of times when people get older, there is a kind of common theme of people turning towards um, finding spirituality or finding some sort of religious thing to be associated with because it's like this ultimate container for the soul, right? We want to make sure that we're good on those levels (laughs) before we pass on to the next thing. And that's also really what we are confronting right now. So what that requires is a lot of reflection about all of these things, like I said, that you have turned to in the past. Are those real sustainable elements? Are those truly nourishing? Are they, are they true? Are they true? 
And this is one of the most powerful like house cleaning practices. And I don't mean like your physical house, but I mean like cleaning of the spiritual house cleaning (laughs) of our lives because it is the things that we turn to, that we try to root through, that we try to ground through that are some of the most, some of the largest influences on our life. And the things that we turn to for safety and security and rooting are often the things that we feel the most, number one, attachment to. Number two are often the things that we turn to for coping. These things often tend to be a repetitive theme in our life. Like, oh, well, this was always something that I've turned to, or this is something that I've struggled with, or this has been a really solid presence in my life for a long time. It's time to take inventory of all of those things and ask ourselves, is this really creating sustainable freedom? And I almost want to say interdependent relationship with yourself. And the last thing that I'll say about this is if we don't have safe rooting, this is the number one thing that generally can become a catalyst for people to really jump out, out of their body, into addiction, into a codependent relationship, into whatever. Because if you don't have a safe space to return to, then you never feel safe. If you are relying on a lot of externalized aspects for your safety, for your grounding, for your root, there's a part of you that is aware that all of that is temporary and there is a part of you that is aware that none of that actually feels really truly safe and real, which is why we continue to turn to outside things to create that safety and that security that really, 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 really can only be provided by ourselves. All right, so one of the main themes that was coming forward very, very strongly for this moon chapter is the continued, (laughs) but the almost more potent time of shedding of identities related to systemic consciousness. So what does that mean? That means the places and spaces where you have internalized capitalism, consumerism, racism, sexism, some form of an oppressive identity that might be masked with looking like success, that can be masked with looking like beauty, that can be masked with the current paradigms, concepts of virtue, but are actually hidden agendas of oppression. Because we are in the death cycle, y'all. We are ready to begin to let go right? And what that also means is that we are beginning to pick and choose the karma that we will allow to ripen the the consciousness that we want to carry with us. I almost called this moon the moon of discernment because there's going to be a lot of shifting and sorting through all of the different places and spaces where we have created identity, created ego, created community. And again, that one of the number one things is not to look at whether it is a positive or negative experience, because what we are being shown is that comfort is one of the main mechanisms of oppressive systems. And not only are you doing yourself a major, major service, but that is one of the biggest collective pieces of work that we can do to benefit the greater good. 
This revolution of empathy that we have seen in the ways that people who have not directly experienced the oppression of the other are standing up for the other, this is the other piece. This is the inner work. Because the things that enable racism, classism, hierarchy, oppression, are in many different institutions, many different cultural mechanisms and practices, and things that, that might seem harmless. They are deeply rooted to keep people disempowered. Remain ever curious, remain ever vigilant of why you do what you do. Because when we do that, <laughs> cat's out of the bag. <laughs> why do I take a selfie from that angle? As a woman, am I presenting as an empowered female or is my pouty-lipped face just a mechanism of what the current paradigm, which is male uh, gaze-oriented, am I, am I just perpetuating that? <laughs> Little thing, just saying. <laughs> Or when I go out and I'm buying presents for my, my friend's birthday and I'm buying them this and that and this and that, regardless of whether or not I know that they're going to like it, but all there's all this focus on gift giving, and I don't know if this is fixable or reusable or whatever, yeah, that's also toxic. It seems harmless, but it's toxic in the greater scale because it's all of these micro-actions that lead to much larger systemic oppression. And not just oppression, but I also want to say inauthenticity. How much of you do you actually embody that you allow yourself to bring forward? You know what I mean? And I'm not just talking, you know, I want to be very clear. I'm not just talking to people that follow quote unquote conventional lifestyles. <laughs> You know, I think it's really easy for people that have a spiritual practice, that are meditating, that are doing their yoga, that are, you know, actively working with themselves. You got a therapist and you're reading the books and you're crying, <laughs> you know, and you're you're working with energy and you're awakening to your clairvoyance abilities, whatever it might be, that you think, oh no, I don't, I don't necessarily do that. I don't have that problem. Nuh-uh. Let me let me guarantee you you do. And what I am seeing is a homogenization of the representation of spiritual messaging. What I'm seeing is a lot of people who are stepping into this work and they are embodying what they are seeing on Instagram. Everything is so goddamn pretty. <laughs> I'm not trying to call anybody out. What I'm trying to call out is the toxic thinking around how we represent ourselves and how we bring our messaging forward. We need real, we need the real real. And if part of your real real is pretty, that is great. But make sure that it is your real real because what serves people is resonance, right? So if your messaging is just kind of following what you are seeing other people doing, we are homogenizing our audiences we're homogenizing what could possibly be an infinite number of expressions and representations that might speak to a particular group of people that are not feeling seen right now because everybody is subscribing to the same old, same old. You hear me? 
So yes, big, big theme right now, looking at identities related to systemic consciousness, institutional programming, social and cultural programming, family programming. Get very, very curious about why you do what you do. And the more we begin to work with this, the more we begin to reveal our true selves, and that's where our true power lies. It doesn't lie in success. It lies in the revealing of ourselves. To truly step out of the capitalist system is to realize that it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. You feel me? And that leads me to another uh, theme, which is freedom. In relationship to this current chapter, freedom really, really relates to actually both things that I've just talked about. Are we really an embodiment of ourselves or where are the places and spaces of our lives, our personality and our sense of priorities, just systemic, social, cultural programming, but also what do we really root into? Where, what do we really rely on? Freedom in this context within this chapter as related to kind of like the other elements right now really kind of has to do still with a bit more though of the externalized realm. So, you know, we need to talk about the internal, but we also need to talk about the external because like I said, we're in the autumn. So it's the transition phase where those two spaces are kind of equally balanced. Now freedom, what I was really, really sensing as, 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 as how it will manifest for us relates to expression. There was a metaphor that came forward um, when I was sitting with this, which was a shift. And what the shift represents is turning away from the conventional, the things that we've perhaps been working towards for a very long time because we've had certain conceptions around success. And it was really powerful because what I saw is, is that now in these final moments, we've given the presentation in, in some ways, or we're getting ready to give the, you know, that's actually more it. It's like, we're getting ready to give this big presentation, these final, you know, the harvest season, the full fruit of our labors. And we're having to really ask ourselves, like we're confronted. It's like, we're at, we're just getting ready to go on stage. And we're really having to ask ourselves, if I do it in this way, Am I really going to feel free? Because it's not about success anymore. It's about truth. You feel that? That at the end, if we've released something, brought something forward, um, putting something out there, or quite simply just our evolution of being, we're not interested actually necessarily in success at the heart of our heart. We can tell ourselves that we are interested in success, but at the heart of the heart of the heart of the heart, what really, really sticks with us, what really, really matters is truth. And so this concept of freedom is really at the forefront of our minds right now. Freedom. What does that actually look like to you? Does that mean that you get up on that stage? And I'm using 
the con this this idea of like getting up on stage and giving this presentation um, as a metaphor for for just our being you know forget doing it's not just about the projects and stuff so if we get up there and we present it in a particular way is that really really true to us or is there a way to do it that actually brings forward an expression of freedom that is so much more, more real for us. Uh, I've been talking to a dear sister of mine who is studying in um, a particular tradition that speaks of the taking off of masks. Mm. You know, and that real freedom is is not necessarily putting on the prettiest mask. <laughs> It's not necessarily like, and the thing is, when I say the prettiest mask, this could be a mask that we have been creating for a really freaking long time. We've been painting it. We've been detailing it. We've been doing all of the things. We've been promoting this shit out of this mask. Like, hey, guess what world? <laughs> I'm coming out with this mask and it's freaking amazing. And you're going to want to like, comment, subscribe, get on my mailing list to see what's up. And then you get to it and you realize, oh my God, I'm making a mask. <laughs> like this isn't even my face. Mm. And, and, and that's not freedom, is it? No, because then when you present yourself to the world, what are you going to always have to be doing? You're always going to have to be wearing that mask. <laughs> and... There's an element of this turning of the solar cycle. And oh my God, it's still raining. I'm so happy. I hope you guys can hear it. But there's this element of this turning of this of the cycle where we are entering into darkness in the Northern Hemisphere and entering into the lightness of the Southern Hemisphere where we are deciding what we want to internalize. You see what I'm getting at? And so this concept of freedom, now is the time to really, really look at Am I free? Not am I right? Not am I successful? Not am I at that point where I've created something for so freaking long that it's hard to turn back? <laughs> it's am I free? Because the more that we step into freedom with ourselves, the more we empower people to step into the presence of freedom within their selves. And the more that we encourage the dismantling of oppressive systems because we just cannot stand to be wearing a mask, to be doing the thing that does not make us feel free anymore. Now, the other theme that was very strong had to do with all of this evaluative stuff and all of this root building and all of these questions of freedom. Naturally, what came forward had to do with core wounding. And what I mean by core wound is a term that I actually learned in clairvoyant training and what it pertains to is some of the deepest places and spaces of wounding that manifests in many different areas of our life. And specifically at this time, what I saw was wounding um, on many different levels. This is intergenerational. This is, yeah, family lineage wounding. This is present time wounding, past life wounding, if you're connected to that that as we attempt to move into a new space, what is the number one thing that is going to be showing its precious, terrifying face? Fear. 
and fear, it is the place and space within us that is like, oh, what are we doing? Where are we going? And it is also a natural reaction for where we are bumping up against places and spaces where we have a wound, where we do not feel safe. So I want to shed some light on that because it's very important to just be aware of, um, not just in our own inner work, but in the collective work. A lot of people are very deeply triggered right now. And in relationship to ourselves, again, I just want to highly, highly emphasize bringing in the awareness of a trauma-informed technique and method in order to deal with this kind of stuff, but also in relationship to our relationship, <laughs> relationship with others, know that they are also going through it too. So this is not the time to take a lot of things personally. This is not the time to really be relying on others to give you feedback. That's a big thing. Um, the thing about wounding too, at least in my own experience, is that's generally where the deepest places where I don't trust myself you know, because if I've been wounded by, you know, mother, father, friend, whatever, brother, sister, <laughs> um, there's almost always an element of where I'm like, how did I let that happen? Or, you know, why didn't I handle that differently or something like that? So deep, deep self-trust issues is kind of core um, with this. And correspondingly, it's a place where I can find myself looking more frequently outside of myself for external validation. Um, so just to bring some awareness to that. Mm, so I'm being drawn to this word acceptance. <sighs> acceptance is not just, I accept this. I've seen a lot of different people, um, especially in the self-development and spiritual circles, use the word acceptance, and it becomes this almost space of bypassing. It's no different than when somebody says, oh, you should just forgive them. Just, just forgive them, right? <laughs> And it's like when you were little and your parents made you forgive, you know, your friend, brother, or sister when you just really weren't ready to. And you're like, I forgive you. <laughs> and it's just like, no, it doesn't work. That's not how it works. So when we speak about acceptance, we're not just saying accept what has been. So in reflection of this time that was massively disruptive to a lot of plans and ideas that I think a lot of people had about what they were going to be doing, what they could be doing, blah, 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 blah. It just did not go according to plan. The point is not to just give in and surrender and be like, fine, well, you know, it happened and there's nothing that I can freaking change. And so I accept it. <laughs> That's not acceptance. I think acceptance requires the understanding that a loss or, you know, something, having the rug pulled from under us or, you know, a shattered dream or pain, sadness, all of the stuff <laughs> that is difficult to accept for us in this current paradigm of positivity-focused philosophies and being, that all of that 
was a necessary part of our transformational journey. What I also don't mean when I say that is just adopting that philosophy and being like, yes, it all served a purpose because some, in a way that is also bypassing. So what I'm not saying is ju don't just adopt the philosophy that is like, oh yeah, it all served its purpose, needed to shatter. Like, no, you need to understand that deeply for yourself. And you know, I don't wanna just end this on like a positive note. I'm not trying to do that thing where it's like, let's talk about some deep shit and then like try to put a silver lining on it. But we always have to remember that that which was sacrificed or that which was compromised can be reborn into something even more beautiful. And, you know, the truth is, is that we never know. We might be like, oh, I wish, you know, wish I went to Europe this summer. Oh, I wish I did this or I wish I did that. And the loss of that thing might seem really real and frustrating and whatever, but the truth is, is that sometimes we don't know. We don't understand kind of the greater cosmic unraveling of things. And one of the worst things that we can do for ourselves is problematize the experience that we're happening rather than opening to it, getting curious about it, um, and welcoming it with a particular level of trust. Trust in the universe, trust in ourselves. Yeah, and that's something I could talk a lot <laughs> about, but I think I'll just kind of leave it at that. Mm. So this is a very, very powerful theme that um, I actually found a quote that speaks directly to the heart of it, and that is this, though you yearn for peace, you recognize that without truth, genuine peace can never be. Even if it triggers an upheaval of transformation, the need to set things right is strong in you. This is the inner drive of the spiritual warrior, the compelling soul need to uphold truth, goodness, and justice. Mm. So I say that, and I don't necessarily know how much more I need to say um, in regards to that, because it's, it's pretty right to the heart. While we might be tired, while we might be overwhelmed, while we deeply seek the time where we are not constantly bombarded and overwhelmed with the injustices and the craziness that is our current world, the truth of the matter is, is that we've gotten to a point where we can no longer accept anything but absolute transformation and truth. And so what that says to me is it's time to dig deep. It's time to really, really dig deep into the things that nourish us and enable us to continue to fight the good fight. And, you know, what I just want to say is that if you feel hopeless, if you feel despair, defeat, frustration, what we cannot forget is that there are legions of beings in the physical realm and in spirit. We are never, ever alone in this. And, you know, we have to remember that it is within this space that we truly cultivate the spirit of the warrior. And the warrior does not, it does not necessarily mean a fight. It means a boundary. It means a knowing. It means a shift in action that defends the innocent, that defends the oppressed, that defends nature, our environment, those that don't have a voice. It defends what is sacred. 
but not necessarily in fighting. It can be in a million different actions, whether it's you change your consumption habits, you change your lifestyle, you change who and what you support financially, who you're buying from. It could be any of those things. Um, and more and more, we are being called to step into setting boundaries for what we believe is true and right and not to prioritize comfort above any of that. But really deeply, 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 I, I, I want it to be heard that you are not alone. Mm, wow, so this storm is just getting better and better. We're having lightning and thunder now. It's just like building with the intensity of this report. It's so cool. Um, so the other thing that I just want to bring a little bit of awareness to that I saw as being definitely a theme present in a lot of people's lives has to do with very practical, pragmatic financial realities. And just a few words of um, awareness that I wanted to bring to it, which is number one, just be very, very aware of the programming that goes into all of our understanding of what safety and security really means. And that if facing a very serious situation around financial hardship, that the tendency can be to hold on really, really tight to old structures and old systems, um, to fall back on the things that we think are going to provide the most security. So, you know, what that could look like is maybe you're trying to start your own business this year, which is a crazy, amazing, powerful, horrible <laughs> year to start your own business. And that's just not taking off. Um, and so you just want to go back to getting a normal job. Um, not that you shouldn't do that. I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to give anybody any sort of actual financial um, advice here. But what I do want to say is if your intention is to step out of certain structures and systems to create safety and security for yourself, just watch the tendency to immediately revert back to tried and true, oh, I'll just go you know, get a waitressing job or oh, I'll just go and you know, get a normal job get really curious about whether or not there's another way to do it. A lot of these oppressive institutions and mechanisms are depending on us to turn to them in a particular way where we immediately throw out all of our self-empowerment out the window and turn to them as like the safe father figure that will take care of us. But it actually isn't. Although, you know, deep, deep compassion and like realness for people that are, that are you really, really struggling. I'm not, I by no means I'm saying that anybody's doing anything wrong. We're just trying to like make it happen and to live and to provide. I totally, totally understand that. And to be able to even question any of this is an immense, immense privilege. Let it be said, let it be heard. <laughs> so it's just something to think about. And the reason I say this is because I have been watching a lot of friends deal with this and the ones that are trying to work within the consciousness of stepping outside of the system are finding a level of empowerment within themselves that they have been wanting to cultivate because, um, 
it's really, really powerful to show up for yourself and try to show yourself that there's a million different ways to make a million dollars, they say. There's a lot of different ways in which you can provide for yourself. Um, and, you know, consciously choosing what you want to empower, that is real also real power you have to understand that you have a lot of power in that decision so yeah just want to speak to that so one aspect that's really important to touch on um, that applies to all of the different themes this came through super duper forward to speak to that as we are going through all of these shifts all of these changes all of this reflection and having of our experience and stepping into a deepening and an anchoring within ourselves that it is so incredibly important to be engaging with, learning about, actively practicing, finding support with trauma-informed techniques, methods, and tools. Now, there's a lot of taboo <laughs> and a lot of misconceptions around what the word trauma actually means. Uh, a lot of people, when you say the word trauma, they're like, oh, I don't have trauma. I haven't, you know, been in a major car wreck or dealt with sexual abuse or, you know, been attacked or, you know, all of these things that we assume can only be associated with trauma. Um, no. <laughs> Trauma is something that is experienced whenever we do not feel safe. Trauma happens all of the time. Trauma can happen when you're little and you're trying to get mom and dad's attention, but they are working at the kitchen counter and they don't pay attention to you. And because you are little and because you rely completely on your parents for your safety and security, them not giving you the attention that you feel that you need creates a trauma response, which has ripple effects in all of your behaviors later in life. Trauma can happen when somebody invalidates you, when somebody makes you feel uh, emotionally not safe. Trauma can happen when your reality is denied, when there's a lot of pressure put on you to figure something out that's not your responsibility. I mean, trauma happens anytime we don't feel safe. I was recently listening to a podcast that interviewed the absolutely brilliant Bessel van der Kolk, who is one of the leading trauma therapy, trauma-informed therapy researchers and therapists. Um, a book of his that I highly recommend that I will just mention right now is called The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. And his definition of trauma uh, is very, very similar. And he said something that was incredibly validating that I feel to share with you, which is the understanding that trauma memory does not necessarily get stored the same way as other memories. Trauma experiences are usually stored in the body and also in the places and spaces in our mind of emotion, within the realm of emotion. Which is why, ladies and gentlemen, if you have experienced traumatic experiences like, say, an argument or, you know, I don't know, something happening uh, with your friends and family or parents um, and you can't remember it correctly, like in a linear narrative, that's 100% normal. <laughs> 
because what happens is like our cognitive mind kind of shuts down um, and the way that we remember things is very much in emotion so the reason I'm bringing this forward is because there are a lot of emotional and self-development techniques and practices out there today that are not trauma-informed. And something that um, Mr. Bessel van der Kolk said is that, you know, one of the worst things that a person that is dealing with deep emotional trauma can do is go to a therapist and talk about it. <laughs> because the release and the healing for trauma does not lie in the mind and does not rely in creating narratives. And often in therapy situations where a, somebody is forced to talk about their trauma in a linear way, what it does is it creates a narrative that is not necessarily 100% true, but it but within our mind, it's creating neural pathways that every single time we relive that, we relay that narrative. We are creating stronger and stronger neural connections so that it becomes very difficult for us to live outside of that narrative. And most importantly, what I want to get at is that the tools and techniques for the releasing of trauma doesn't really involve talking almost at all. There are so many different techniques out there. One that has been deeply, deeply serving me currently is tapping. Tapping is also known as the emotional freedom technique, EFT. Another term that I've heard it be called is energy therapy acupoint tapping. Anyway, there's a lot of resources that you can find online, but tapping is a uh, trauma-informed technique that taps into the emotional body, opens the subconscious mind, taps into the emotional body, and allows you to actually process that. EMDR is another powerful one. Yoga, meditation, different movement practices. Honestly, working with a trauma-informed therapist is so incredibly important. And and, and building your awareness of trauma-informed techniques and therapies is the number one thing. Um, we always have to be advocates in our own growth and development and um, transformation. And so anyway, the reason I'm saying that is because it feels like it is such an incredibly important thing to keep in mind for everything that we are about to be going through, for everything that we are processing, especially right now with the world the way that it is. I can't tell you how many brothers, sisters, and others I know that are really, really struggling with the amount of input that they are receiving that quite honestly is very traumatizing or re-traumatizing or triggering or just incredibly painful, whatever it is. And we need a way to move this through our body. So one of the biggest themes that was coming up for me in regards to health is be very, very aware of movement. This is a time to really be moving. And I swear, I don't think there is a moon chapter where I don't say that because movement is just absolutely crucial to the energetic, the subtle body, the physical body's ability to process and to stay present. There are so many different places and spaces within our physical body where we are holding so much, where we are processing so much. And unless we give it, you know, like a lightning rod place for discharging, all of that energy is just cycling through us. And 
you know, we are meant, at least in my mind, you know, um, emotion, energy in motion, meant to move, <laughs> meant to, you know, get it, get it out, get it moving. Um, I just spilled coffee. Oh, Jesus to be in movement. And the point is not necessarily to just get rid of it all. Movement implies that we are shifting. And once we shift something, then we can have a new perspective. Then we can have new awareness, but we have to kind of go over that edge, meet it and allow it to shift so that we can see it from a different perspective or relate to it differently or discharge it, you know, whatever it is that we might need. Um, another little thing that I just want to mention about health, <laughs> and maybe this is, this is me right now, is watching how we are having an emotional relationship with food. So nourishment and sustenance, at least for myself, um, I am hearing from a lot of brothers and sisters and others that are living in North America. We are dealing with like some pretty serious rain, drought, shortages, issues. And um, there's this quality in the air of like not knowing what to turn to for nourishment. You know, the intensity of the sun is kind of adding to that because it gets so hot during the day. It's like hard to like go out and be in nature and kind of do some of the normal things that we do for grounding and self-care and attunement and all of that kind of stuff. So there's been this tendency to really kind of turn towards um, food for emotional support. And while there's nothing wrong with that, just be aware of it as something that may not be the most empowered, may not really serve you in terms of really being able to um, have the really great transformations that are going on right now. Because, you know, if we're not good in our physical body, it really creates a whole other um, layer of challenge in terms of our emotional and our spiritual uh, spaces. So, yeah. All right. So I'm going to close this up with a communication around transition and it is a prayer for you to stay true to your intentions and stay true to the path of transition because that really is one of the biggest themes right now is major major transition and within transition there is death there is chaos there is upheaval death is definitely again very present for many of us right now and I don't just mean actual physical death but a spiritual death a psychic death cultural death within this space of transition there can be a tendency to experience a lot of roadblocks a lot of diversions and kind of connected to what I was just saying about the warrior that sometimes a fierceness in this commitment of this diving deep and or this rebirth depending on what hemisphere you're in a fierceness of protecting that process is necessary. So if that means you need to take a break from the social media, do not hesitate to do so. And so it was very, very important to be very discerning about the things that are pulling you out of this deepening or this rooting, you know, depending on which hemisphere you're in. Identify what's pulling you out and maybe that's part of your initiation as well, but know that it is completely appropriate at times to be fierce 
and in a way absolute about your boundaries around the space that you are giving yourself to go through this process. So this is not the time to indulge someone else's ego or go against your own inner knowing in order to give someone the benefit of the doubt. You need to trust your instincts and break immediately from what isn't for you. Sometimes things can come at us and they are meant to be an initiation, but that does not mean that all of all things are that. Sometimes we need to use our discernment to understand what is for us. And, you know, what we what we gain from engaging with that practice is that we open ourselves to the opportunity and to situations that are worthy of our passionate devotion that are that is in harmony and in resonance with our intention to do this work to show up for ourselves and to show up for the collective because let me tell you people the work that we do right now it's almost like you know in the tibetan buddhist tradition on certain holidays it's like the um, merit or karma is magnified and i would say that this is definitely a time that at least energetically feels like that is also like very much a thing that depending on how much we really can create space for ourselves to commit to this all of these different things um and whatever you know comes up for you personally um in communication and uh, with yourself that you need to dive into um that we will be feeling the effects beyond just you know the immediate time in front of us this is like really really deep work that the deeper we go um and the more that we liberate ourselves and step into sovereignty um or just plunge into whatever initiation that we need to go through even if it's about completely losing sovereignty you know again no right or wrong no hierarchy with any of this um enlightenment is not the ultimate goal <laughs> we're humans uh that's the whole thing um the exploration of the spectrum of consciousness to me is a lot more juicy than just enlightenment i guess i'll just leave it at that now's the time to do the deep work and in final closing what i want to say is that we were designed for this we were meant for this this human realm this realm on this planet is all about process and about going through everything and all of it all the feels, all the emotions, <laughs> all the experiences. We are designed for this and we are being invited to trust deeper than we ever have before. The deep knowing and deep cultivation that holds us in sacred space regardless of what we are experiencing. It is all sacred. It is all an invitation. And once we accept that there is no right or wrong, once we allow ourselves to accept discomfort as part of the process or dis or accept death, accept disruption, to accept pain and accept sh just any anything that falls in the realm of shadow as part of the process. Suddenly 
it's we step out of judgment of ourselves of like whether or not we're doing it right or wrong there is no right or wrong when we problematize our experience that's when we start getting burnt out that's when we go into judgment that's when when things get rough we just want to escape because there's a part of us that is not trusting the deeper initiation and not able to see the purpose in all of it and embrace the purpose of all of it. <sighs> but my closing remarks is just to say, you beautiful, beautiful beings, you are not alone in any of this. You are not alone in any of this. And one of the greatest teachings of the natural world and specifically of the collective is that we can reach out and receive help receive what we need this earth provides everything we need the collective connections can provide everything we need our spirit our inner knowing our heart our body can provide everything we need and we are constantly an active participant in either allowing or denying that for ourselves and we can always turn to others <laughs> and we can always do the things find the people find the therapy find the techniques that will guide us on our way and never forget that your magic superpower is your intention and your attention you set an intention and you direct your attention into whatever you want you can make it happen that's your superpower that's your magic don't forget about it because <laughs> what all of this is saying is hey you got a hand in all of this we are stepping out of feeling like we don't have power and finding the places and spaces in which we have total and complete power and sovereignty mm, sacred sovereignty of self okay thank you thank you thank you thank you for your time your attention for being here if you feel that this would serve somebody that you know please 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 take a moment to share this with them also, if you could please, I'm going to ask a huge favor. If you could please leave a review of this podcast on any of the platforms in which it is live, it would mean the world to me. It um, helps this podcast, this message, this work find its way to people that need it. And uh, it makes a huge, huge difference in the accessibility and the ranking of this podcast. So if you have a moment, please, please, please take the time to write a review. I will be eternally grateful. And if you feel called to work with me for some extra support during these times, know that I am opening my schedule to do one-on-one -on -one sessions with people and we can dive deep into all kinds of different places and spaces, whether it's um, connected to earthology practice or uh, just doing um, different types of facilitation and healing work, let me know. You can find me on Instagram at gjafir, or you can also reach out to me at the earthology podcast um, on Instagram or at the earthology podcast at gmail.com. Anyway, sending so much love to you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you.